After that big hurricane on Wednesday crushed his state, Governor Ron DeSantis warned Floridians, quote, you loot, we shoot. Unless, of course, you're storming the United States Capitol, in which case that's legitimate political discourse. So have at it. This is the mop up for August 31st, 2023. I'm David Feldman. The irrelevant, washed up and mediocre at best, Alice Cooper has been fired by Vampire Cosmetics and will no longer be their spokesperson after Cooper called transgender, called being transgender, quote, just a fad. Being transgender is just a fad, said the man who changed his name to Alice and started wearing women's makeup because he couldn't get by on just his musical talent. Earlier last week, Carlos Santana stopped one of his concerts to attack the transgender community. And Paul Stanley from KISS has also spoken out against the transgender community. I remember when the Dixie Chicks spoke out against the illegal invasion of Iraq back in 2003, and conservatives screamed, shut up and sing. So my message to Alice Cooper Carlos Santana and Paul Stanley is, shut up and don't sing. Whatever you do, please do not sing. Go away, you're dinosaurs. Nobody wants to hear the methane escaping from your mouth. Matt Schlapp is the head of CPAC. His uh, bleeding rectal pustule of a wife, Mercedes Schlapp, is a conservative activist who opposes same-sex marriage, calling it an assault on religious freedom. This year, Matt Schlapp and his leaky colorectal fissure of a wife, Mercedes, are being sued by uh, a GOP act, uh, operative for sexual assault and defamation. Uh, the GOP male operative in his multi-million dollar lawsuit, claims that Matt Schlapp repeatedly uh, groped him and pulled at his nether regions. And then, after he went public with the accusations, Mercedes Schlapp, Matt Schlapp's burgundy-colored prolapse of a wife, retaliated by defaming the accuser's character. The Schlapps maintain their innocence and insist they want to go to trial to clear Matt's name because Matt Schlapp would never want to hold hands with another man. In fact, his wife explicitly stated that marriage is only between a man and a woman. So why would Matt Schlapp want to hold hands with anyone other than his wife, especially a man? I mean... Why, oh, why would Matt Schlapp wander outside his marriage when there's a pus-filled colofistula of a wife waiting for him at home? Matt Schlapp is all man, and anyone who has ever heard him speak knows he's straighter than San Francisco's Lombard Street. And just in case you don't understand what I'm talking about, this is my beloved San Francisco's world-famous Lombard Street. See how straight it is? Reminds me of Matt Schlapp, the head of CPAC, 
who is as straight as an arrow that's shaped like a sigmoidoscope. Yes, the Schlapps insist they want to take this guy to court to prove Matt is all about traditional conservative values. You know, like the writing staff on Frasier. But Daily Beast reported earlier this week that Matt Schlapp offered to settle for a couple of hundred thousand dollars with his accuser, but his accuser rejected that offer. Maybe Matt should try harder, you know, like pounding his junk. Anyway, the Daily Beast also reported that there are more men coming forward claiming that Matt Schlapp wanted to hold their hands. And several high-level CPAC employees, including the treasurer of CPAC, have resigned, suggesting that Matt Schlapp is using hundreds of thousands of dollars of CPAC money to pay his legal fees with no permission from the board. The board said no. Maybe he should try pounding their junk. Well, Mercedes, Matt Schlapp's ulcerated... Mercedes, Matt Schlapp's ulcerated Sitzfleisch artery of a wife. That would be Matt Schlapp's ulcerated <laughs> Sitzfleisch artery of a... Come on. Mercedes, Matt Schlapp's ulcerated Sitzfleisch artery of a wife, took to Twitter on Wednesday to attack the Daily Beast. Here She stands by her man. Here is what she wrote. The Daily Beast, this is Mercedes Schlapp, and she wrote on Twitter, The Daily Beast is Satan's publication to persecute Christians and their families. Wow. And then Matt Schlapp retweeted his ulcerated keister of a wife with this rejoinder. Soon to start a weekend edition, The Saturday Satan. The Saturday, the Daily Beast, according to Matt Schlapp, is going to have a weekend edition called The Saturday Satan. It's Satan. It's funny. Satan, get thee behind me, said Matt Schlapp. Okay, now Satan, get thee below me. Okay, now Satan, get thee in front of me. You see, Matt Schlapp was one of the co-chairs of Catholics for Trump back in 2020, and he's an election denier. He's a Catholic for Trump, which means he and his wife are deeply religious, which means the three men who we know of who have accused Matt Schlapp of wanting to hold their hands and the CPAC board members who worry that Schlapp has created a hostile work environment and might be hiding CPAC money to pay his legal fees, anyone who makes these accusations is attacking Matt Schlapp's religious freedom. Everything is an attack on Matt Schlapp's religious freedom. Same-sex marriage? Well, according to Mercedes Schlapp, that's an attack on the Schlapp's religious freedom. Drag queen story hour? That's an attack on the Schlapp's religious freedoms. Recognizing someone's pronouns? That's an attack on the Schlapp's religious freedoms. Accusing Matt Schlapp of wanting to hold the hands of three men? That accusation is attack, is an attack on the Schlapp's religious freedom. 
accusing Matt Schlapp of creating a hostile work environment at CPAC where misogyny, homophobia and racism are reportedly rampant. That's an attack on the Schlapp's religious freedom. Wanting more transparency to determine whether or not Matt Schlapp is secretly using CPAC funds to pay his legal fees? That's an attack on the Schlapp's religious freedom. Religious freedom. So apparently religious freedom means let me pass judgment on others while spreading hate and intolerance towards the very same community I'm secretly a part of. Religious freedom means I get to call myself devout, even though I violate the core tenets of every holy book by lying, cheating, and persecuting others. Nice racket the schlaps have going there. Where can I get me some of that religious freedom? Letitia James is New York State's Attorney General. She is suing Donald Trump in federal court. The trial is scheduled for October of this year, and she accuses Donald Trump and his two idiot sons of filing false financial statements over a 10-year period. False financial statements that inflated the value of their properties when using them as collateral to secure loans and then undervaluing what the same properties were worth to pay less taxes. In her suit, the New York State Attorney General is seeking $250 million in damages and a permanent ban that forbids Trump and his two idiot sons from ever running a business in New York State again. Well, on Wednesday, New York State Attorney General Letitia James filed a motion for a partial summary judgment, insisting there's no need for a trial because these documents clearly indicate the Trumps are guilty of fraud. She's saying no need for a trial. Read the documents. Give us a summary judgment, a partial summary judgment. A partial summary judgment means she wants a part of this trial to get hived off and instead of a jury, have it be decided by a judge. That's what a summary judgment motion means. In her motion, the state attorney general said Trump's actual net worth was reported to be anywhere between $812 million and $2.2 billion. If correct, this is significantly lower than the $6.1 billion in assets Trump presented as collateral when securing loans. I will uh, keep talking about this while we look at how Donald Trump laid to rest the mother of his three idiot children, his first wife, Ivana. Let's look at her grave while we talk about Donald Trump's supposed net worth. In other words, the New York State Attorney General is putting Trump's net worth anywhere between $812 million and $2.2 billion. And that most probably doesn't take into consideration Donald Trump's debt obligations, known and unknown. If you've read David J. If, if, if you've read 
enough about Donald Trump, you know he stole from the mob, okay? The New York State Attorney General deposed Trump on April 13th, 2023, and on Wednesday, she released the transcript of that deposition in which Trump testified that as president of the United States, he didn't have time to pay attention to his corporate affairs because he was way too busy, and I'm not making this up, way too busy saving millions of people around the world from a nuclear holocaust. Trump told Letitia James his meeting with the leader of North Korea saved millions from a nuclear holocaust. Well, you know what time it is? It's Stanley Woodward time. Follow the legal fees. Follow the legal fees. This will be very short, and then we'll move on. But you got to follow the legal fees. Give me three minutes. Now, if you remember, Donald Trump is on trial in a Miami federal courtroom for violating the, Espi the Espionage Act. Donald Trump is on trial for uh, violating the Espionage Act as well as obstruction of justice by allegedly ordering several low-level Mar-a-Lago employees to hide classified documents from the FBI during their search last year of his property. This is Carlos de Oliveira, the property manager at Mar-a-Lago. And he was indicted after Yuskel Tavares, the head of Mar-a-Lago's Information Technology Department, recanted the testimony he gave before a grand jury. Yuskel Tavares admitted that he lied under oath before that grand jury, and then he decided to become a witness for the prosecution. And in turning state's evidence, Yuskel Tavares gave up the name of this guy, Carlos D. Oliveira, Mar-a-Lago's property manager, claiming Carlos D. Oliveira, along with Trump's valet, Walt Nauta, tried to convince him to delete security camera footage of those boxes being moved before the FBI shows up. Well, follow the legal fees. That is Walt Nauta on the left. That is the low-level Mar-a-Lago employees, Trump's valet. And on the right, that would be Stanley Woodward, who was also Yuskel Tavares's lawyer when Yuskel lied before the grand jury, saying Trump never ordered him to erase any of those videos. But then he had a come-to-Jesus moment, fired Stanley Woodward, got a public defender, and became a witness for the prosecution and named, when he became a witness for the prosecution, Mar-a-Lago property manager Carlos D. Oliveira as one of the Trump employees who asked him to erase those surveillance tapes. So I'm going to keep going over this. Stanley Woodward was representing Yiskel Tavares as long as and until he was willing to lie before the grand jury and say Donald Trump and none of these low-level employees at Mar-a-Lago asked him to delete any video of the surveillance footage. But then when he decided he didn't want to lie anymore, he said, Your Honor, I need a public defender. I can't work with Stanley Woodward 
whose legal fees are being paid for by Donald Trump. If you give me a public defender, I will be a witness for the prosecution. Okay. Uh, This is special counsel Jack Smith, and he has requested that the judge in the Miami trial, her name is Eileen Cannon, he's requesting that she hold hearings to investigate whether Stanley Woodward, the lawyer representing Walt Nauta, Trump's valet, whether or not he has a conflict of interest, since he was also representing Yuskel Tavares before Tavares confessed to lying under oath, said he no longer wanted to be represented by Stanley Woodward, and was then given a public defender who assisted him in becoming a witness for the prosecution. I know I'm going very fast, but Stanley Woodward, that's him, is being paid by Donald Trump's Save America Super PAC. And it could be inferred that to keep him as an attorney, you would have to testify and say whatever Donald Trump ordered you to say. Otherwise, you have to pay for your own attorney. That is why on Wednesday, the special counsel requested a private hearing regarding who is paying the legal fees for the newly indicted Carlos de Oliveira, Mar-a-Lago's property manager. Oliveira is represented by Fulja, someone not named Stanley Woodward. There, I fooled you. But there's a connection. He is represented by an attorney named John Irving, who has also represented some of the other low-level Mar-a-Lago employees who have been called to testify before the grand jury investigating Donald Trump's mishandling of classified documents and who might be called as witnesses in this trial. Attorney John Irving, along with Stanley Woodward, the two of them have both been paid hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars by Donald Trump's Save America Super PAC to represent many of the witnesses as well as the defendants in the classified documents trial. And now the special counsel is asking the presiding judge in the case, Eileen Cannon, to make certain there is no conflict of interest. As I say, follow the legal fees. What do you think, Rudy Giuliani? Do you think there's a conflict of interest? I like scotch. Okay. Uh, but legal fee, I'm talking about the legal fees. They're kind of tough. They can get kind of expensive. Right, Rudy? Don't you think they get kind of expensive? I drink scotch. Okay. Yes, you do. And you'll be putting scotch in your Cheerios this morning. Rudy Giuliani on Wednesday lost that big defamation case filed against him by two Georgia election workers, Ruby Freeman and Wandrea Shea Moss. He lost. You know how he lost? He forfeited the same way Alex Jones lost his defamation suits last year. When you refuse to participate in the discovery phase of a trial, if you refuse to turn over documents, you lose. You forfeited. That means the next step will be a trial to determine just how much Rudy must pay Ruby Friedman and Shea Moss in damages and... It will be financially catastrophic for Rudy Giuliani, who, 
by all accounts, has zero money left. On Wednesday, U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell, she's uh, presiding in this defamation case, told Rudy he has until September 20th to pay the plaintiffs, Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, to pay them $130,000 to cover their legal fees. Plus, there's going to be a judgment, a trial, as to how much he has to pay them for defamation, which could be hundreds of thousands, if not millions, that he doesn't have. Now, Rudy forfeited because of two reasons. One, he doesn't have the money. He can't afford to go to trial. Rudy appears to be so strapped financially, he couldn't even mount a defense during the discovery phase of this defamation suit, and he kept stalling, unable to turn over documents necessary for both sides to go to trial. At one point, Rudy's attorneys told the judge it would cost Rudy $350,000 alone just to sift through and organize the documents on his computer hard drive and iPhone, $350,000 that Rudy Giuliani simply doesn't have. Donald Trump refuses to give Rudy any money from the Save America Super PAC, which has raised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. But... He's being generous. Donald Trump will be holding a $100,000 a plate fundraiser for Rudy's legal fees in two weeks at his Bedminster, New Jersey country club just to watch Rudy humiliated once again. Who is going to pay $100,000 a plate to bail Rudy out? I like scotch. Yes, you do. Another reason Rudy forfeited, perhaps, is he might not want to turn over any documents during discovery in a defamation lawsuit because there's probably something in there, something he doesn't want seen by the Fulton County District Attorney, Fawny Willis, who just indicted him for racketeering. I drink scotch? Yes. Rudy is claiming his First Amendment rights are under assault. He said this defamation suit that he just lost is an attack on all lawyers. <laughs> yes, it's an attack on all lawyers whose licenses have been suspended in both Washington, D.C. and New York State for, an inciting, for inciting an insurrection on January 6th. On Wednesday, in announcing the default judgment, U.S. District Court Judge Beryl Howell was going to have none of Rudy's self-pity. Judge Howell told Rudy Giuliani, quote, donning a cloak of victimization may play well on a public stage to certain audiences, but in a court of law, this performance has served only to subvert the normal process of discovery, to which... Rudy responded, Your Honor? I drink scotch. Yes, you do. Rudy has already admitted that he lied when he said Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss were stuffing voting machines with Biden ballots. 
But he insisted those lies in no way damaged their reputations or resulted in racially tinged death threats. Right. That's why they had to go into hiding for a month. Donald Trump also repeatedly accused Ruby Friedman and Shea Moss of stuffing ballots. He accused them of stuffing ballots more than a dozen times during his infamous phone call to the Georgia Secretary of State, urging him to reverse the 2020 presidential election results. Well, that's Rudy. Wait a second. You know what? That's Alice Cooper. Hey, Rudy, you need money, right? And Vampire Cosmetics is looking for a new spokesman. And I think I could set you up. You'd be perfect. What was I talking about? What was I saying? I like scotch. Yeah, I know. I know you like scotch. Okay. Well, according to Fawny Willis's indictment, after the January 2nd call to the Georgia Secretary of State, Harrison Floyd, seen here, leader of Black Voices for Trump, asked Trevian Cootie, Kanye West publicist, this is her mugshot, he asked Trevian Cootie to fly from Chicago to Georgia and intimidate Ruby Freeman, tell her that her life is in danger, but if she confessed to stuffing ballots for Biden, like Trump and Rudy said she did, then an unnamed billionaire will protect her life. Well, after five nights in the Fulton County Jail, Harrison Floyd, who out of the 19 defendants was the only one unable to post bond and deemed a flight risk, well, he was released from jail on Wednesday after finding an attorney on Tuesday and posting a $100,000 bond. His new lawyer, Chris Kacheroff, appeared on Steve Bannon's podcast Wednesday, saying that Harrison Floyd had been told to get a lawyer and secure a bond before turning himself in, but he rejected the advice. This is a major follow-up, because I've been following this since his mugshot. This is some big news. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported on Wednesday that five days ago, when Floyd showed up at the Fulton County Jail to be arrested, Madam D.A., District Attorney Fawny Willis, sent a representative from her office to walk Floyd through the process and try to arrange what is called a consent bond, since he didn't have an attorney. But, she says, he refused her help and decided to represent himself. District Attorney Fawny Willis presented on Wednesday to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution a recording of a phone call she made last Friday to Harrison Floyd's attorney in Maryland, who was representing Floyd in a case where Floyd is accused of misdemeanor assault involving two FBI agents trying to serve him a subpoena. Willis warned Floyd's attorney on tape that unless his client agreed to a consent bond, he would be sitting in that jail 
for quite some time. According to reporting in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Wednesday, in another recorded phone call with Floyd's Maryland attorney, District Attorney Fawny Willis said, when Floyd showed up inside the jail to be fingerprinted on Friday, quote, he made somewhat of a scene in the lobby of the jail and basically just begged to be booked in, booked in to be arrested, unquote. She added that of the 19 defendants, Floyd is the only one who didn't send a lawyer to arrange bail. On the recording, District Attorney Fawny Willis tells Floyd's lawyer, quote, you know what? I feel bad about it. And I'm going to tell you the reason I feel bad is there's 19 defendants on this indictment, and he is the only one held with no bond. And I think it's because he's a lay person and he doesn't understand. Floyd is now being referred to as a political prisoner by Trump supporters, including Steve Bannon, who has helped Floyd raise close to $300,000 in the past five days to pay Floyd's legal bills. After getting released on Wednesday, Floyd appeared on Steve Bannon's podcast. Here he is. Here is Harrison Floyd, who we've been talking about for days. Here is Harrison Floyd out on bond talking with the racist fascist Steve Bannon on his War Room show Wednesday. We have Harrison Floyd live. He's now out of incarceration. Harrison, uh, the first question is, why is it taking so long for you to get out of jail, sir? state of Georgia and I'm a black man. I don't know if I can say much more. Harrison, what, what is the, what are the charges? It's kind of, people are confused. What are the charges? You're, you're a former Marine, uh, not just a veteran, combat veteran. What, people are confused about why you even <clears throat> rolled up in this thing. What, and I understand you have restrictions on, I guess, your bond of what you can say, but why, why are you even part of this? Uh, to keep it frank and simple, Fulton County fumbled the cover-up, and uh, I am aware of what transpired, and they're trying to put pressure on me and others to uh, make sure that the truth doesn't come out, but the truth always has a way of finding its way to the surface, sir. So it's going to be—I'm looking forward to being down here and fighting the devil in Georgia. Harrison, do you, you made a comment at the beginning. Do you think you were singled out because you're an African American and particularly a, a, a MAGA? You're MAGA. You're a Trump supporter. You're a patriot. You're a veteran. Do you think you were singled out because of that? Um, part of it, uh, you know, part of the Black culture is always voting Democrat. Um, I went against the code, if you will, at the highest order, and so uh, the district attorney decided she wanted to send me uh, what we call as a Negro wake-up call. And um, she dialed the wrong number because it didn't go through. So we're going to make an announcement here soon at the courthouse steps. And uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. They both seem so reasonable, don't they? 
You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Well, the Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday that during the 2016 presidential election, sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein set up several meetings between Russia's ambassador to the U.N., Vitaly Cherkin, and high-level Trump campaign officials, including Peter Thiel, one of the co-founders of PayPal, and real estate investor Thomas Barak, a close friend of Trump's who was acquitted last year after being charged with lobbying on behalf of the United Arab Emirates inside Donald Trump's Oval Office. Both Barack and Thiel spoke at the 2016 Republican convention singing Donald Trump's praises. The Russian ambassador who they met, thanks to Jeffrey Epstein, was a close confidant of Vladimir Putin. Two weeks before Trump was inaugurated, the Russian ambassador, 65 years old, died under mysterious circumstances here in America. The Journal reports that both Donald Trump and Bill Clinton flew on Epstein's famed Lolita Express, according to flight logs. Several high-level members of the Clinton administration also met with Jeffrey Epstein, including Clinton's Treasury Secretary and former president of Harvard, Larry Summers, the former president of Harvard, as well as some other Clinton uh, appointees who met with uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein is uh, William Burns, who is now the head of the CIA. The head of the CIA met with Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, this was before he was the head of the CIA. But, you know, he's the head of the CIA. Imagine how cunning Jeffrey Epstein was if he could fool the future head of the CIA, William Burns. William Burns, our top spook, William Burns, had no clue that Jeffrey Epstein was trafficking sex slaves. That's how good Jeffrey Epstein was in, in, dis, in disguising his nefarious activities that the head the future head of the CIA had no idea when he met with Jeffrey Epstein what was going on with all those young girls. This is a actual picture, a painting that Jeffrey Epstein hung in his New York City apartment. It's, if you walked in to his apartment, this is one of the very first things you would see in Epstein's apartment. It is a, a painting of Bill Clinton. Uh, this is actual. Uh, most of you have already seen this. This is Bill Clinton wearing a dress in drag, beautiful red pumps. Are those stiletto heels? Yep. That is a painting of Bill Clinton in drag. And what is the message? What do you think the message is to all the high-powered financiers and ambassadors and ex-prime ministers and members of the royal family? What's the message you think if you walk into Bill Clinton's, you walk into Jeffrey Epstein's house and in the lobby is a picture of Bill Clinton in drag? What's the message? Hmm. Is it, obviously, it's I have the utmost respect for former President Bill Clinton 
and there are no tapes that he or Hillary need to worry about. The Wall Street Journal reports that in the summer of 2016, Jeffrey Epstein introduced the Russian ambassador to Thomas Barak, as well as the uh, former prime minister of Israel, Ehud Barak. There was a meeting that Epstein arranged of Thomas Barak and former Israeli prime minister Ehud Barak. That's a lot of Baraks. Why not go for the hat trick and invite Obama? First name Barak. Mr. Barak, meet Barak. Barak, 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 Barak. You know, if Thomas Barak married Ehud Barak, his name would be Thomas Barak. I guess that doesn't work. Let me try it another way. If Ehud Barak married Thomas Barak, his name would be Ehud Barak. Hmm. If Ehud Barak married Barack Obama, he'd be Ehud Obama. Hmm. If Barack Obama married Thomas Barack, well, uh, he'd be advised not to visit Florida. All right. I drink scotch. I do, too. Uh, here is Donald Trump with Jeffrey Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell. And I just watched that A&E special about Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew is spending August at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. Balmoral Castle in Scotland. The royal family's summer vacation home, Balmoral. And Prince Andrew is at Balmoral. This is their first summer holiday at Balmoral without the Queen. And... He's there with King Charles and the rest of the Windsors. Andrew seems to be getting slowly welcomed back into the fold since he was stripped of all his titles and told he was no longer a working royal after he paid roughly $5 million to settle a lawsuit filed by one of Jeffrey Epstein's underage slaves who claimed she was forced to have sex with Prince Andrew three times when she was underaged. So Prince Andrew is being welcomed back to Balmoral. All this while millions and millions of people around the world are doing time in prison for far lesser crimes. Rudy Giuliani, what do you think? Is there justice in this world? I drink scotch. Yes. Not a bad idea. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. 